Over the last 15 months, we've all collectively experienced the world go upside down. And quite frankly, are working and trying to figure out ways to bring it right side up. So I'm sure y'all will agree with me when I say that these days, self-care just hits different. (laughs) But what do I know? Now what's happening is the last 15 months, we've had to find our own gas stations. We've had to fill up our own tanks. We're like, we're so used to (laughs) (laughs) self-serve. Oh my goodness. No, I love that. I love that. Girl, you have been killing the analogies. Okay. Okay. Let's see you. (laughs) This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chid Suzanne, a space for learning, for healing, and for laughter. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Susan, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. It's Wednesday, and we're feeling good. It's Wednesday, and we're feeling good. (laughs) But yes, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to the sound of my voice, thank you. Thank you for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you are liking, commenting, subscribing on whatever platform it is you use to listen to the podcast. And if you're already part of our podcast family, you're already in the know and you keep coming back. Thank you. And it is greatly appreciated. <laughs> so with that, I hope you're all having a wonderful week. As usual, I hope you're, you know, resting, staying hydrated, being productive, You know, it's officially summer, so I definitely hope that you are getting out and enjoying the sunshine when we do get it, because over here in Ontario, the weather's just been all over the place. It rains at 3 p.m., it's sunny at 5 p.m., rains again at 8, and everyone keeps screaming, we outside, we outside, but you can't really be outside when it's raining, and we're in stage two, and we really only have outdoor activities open, so... We're going to need the weather to give us more sun and less rain because we, we want to really get to enjoy this weather before things start to cool down again. So, so yeah, I hope you guys make the best of the weather and you're enjoying your summer, you're, you know, going on vacations, whatever that looks like for you and you're enjoying yourself and you're being safe, you know? All right, let's go ahead and get into our clue and segment for this episode. Okay, so for our clue and segment this week, we're going to start off by talking about some recent activity that's been taking place in here, specifically in Canada, with relation to, you know, these unmarked graves of Indigenous children um, that have been discovered and found in various residential schools throughout the country. So, you know, a few weeks back, you know, I'm looking at my phone and of course, Apple notification gives me the news and 215 unmarked graves of Indigenous children were discovered at Camp Loops Residential School. This was in British Columbia. A few days after that, or about a week or so after that, another news broke. 751 unmarked graves of, again, Indigenous children at a residential school in Saskatchewan. 
Just last week, it was another 182 unmarked graves, again, of indigenous children. This was in BC, British Columbia again. So that brings a total to over a thousand unmarked graves. And keep in mind, these are just the ones that we've discovered in the last few weeks. So there potentially could be more. There probably are more, you know, that are yet to be discovered. So you know, we Canada, we I love to say Canada has just done great marketing because I think when it comes to issues of the way the Canadian government has and continues to treat, you know, black, indigenous people of color, especially the indigenous community, a lot of times it's almost like, oh, yeah, that happened. But, you know, it doesn't happen right now. Or, yeah, we've done that in the past, but we're working on reconciliation. Well, what does reconciliation even look like? You know, what steps are we actually taking to right the wrongs and to own the wrong things that we actually did, you know? Um, so at first when all this news broke, we were getting government officials apologizing, you know, uh, flying the Canadian flag at half mass, like all this performative same BS that we get all the time. And it's like, well, what does that really do? What does flying the flag at half <laughs> really do for us? What does lighting the CN Tower orange on Canada Day really do for, for us as a country, do for the Indigenous community? What does that really do? You know, I think this topic is one that I'm trying to understand more. I feel like there's been a lot of call for, you know, Indigenous uh, studies and especially the idea of residential schools to be taught in um, as part of the school curriculum. And I'm definitely for that because I feel like I took courses where I learned about residential schools. I learned, you know, some history on the Indigenous communities, on the idea of reserves, but I don't really know a lot. So even when we you know, talk about reconciliation or, you know, how to sort of, you know, right the wrongs or how to be an ally. It's something that I'm still working on. But I will say so in terms of what the federal government is doing, they've announced $22 million uh, to be distributed to help Indigenous groups discover more unmarked graves. So this is probably not the last that we're going to be hearing of this. We're probably going to be hearing about a lot more <laughs> unmarked graves to be found you know, they've set out this budget to identify them, identify the missing and somehow commemorate them. Uh, several provinces have also provided funding for these searches. And then the federal government has also, you know, made some progress in addressing calls that were made in the Truth and Reconciliation Report between the Canadian government and the Indigenous communities. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what the federal government, what actions they take on in the near future. I know they're addressing concerns, but I know a lot of us would like to see these concerns and progress made on truth and reconciliation happen a lot faster than they are happening right now, because, wow, like, this is a lot, like over a thousand, like that's an alarming number of unmarked graves, you know? So I just want to bring this topic forward in our Queen segment this week. If you're not aware of this, you know, of this news or of residential schools, what they stood for, what the whole idea of, you know, assimilating Indigenous people into whitewashed sort of culture into a Eurocentric culture, stripping them of their own identity, culture, language, just their entire being. Um, I'll definitely put some articles in the description of this episode so that you can, you know, do some further reading for yourself to understand this topic, to, you know, understand it so that you also know how to be an ally to Indigenous people, especially in Canada as well. So yeah, I just wanted to sort of just start off our clean segment by talking about that because that's definitely been some alarming stuff that's been ongoing and it just seems like we're going to keep hearing about these unmarked graves so yeah that has to do with the residential schools and um 
and the unmarked graves of this indigenous children that we've just been hearing about continuously. Okay, my favorite part. Let's get into some music. So this week, I want to start by just apologizing because I slept on this artist. <laughs> I've been sleeping, but now I'm woke. I'm awake. Um, This artist goes by the name of Charmaine. She is a Toronto-based artist, rapper, R&B singer, just really talented. Like, I can't believe that she's not bigger, but I know that she's definitely like her time is coming. Um, You know, she signed, was was recently um, sort of showcased at Young and Dundas Square on that big Spotify billboard. So I know she's definitely working and people are definitely going to recognize her work and her art. So this week, we're going to be listening to Charmaine Double Dutch. This is a nice like summer vibe, you know, something for the girlies to dance to, you know, just feel good, get down. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into this track. This is Double Dutch by Charmaine. Riz, cold, icy, water, tea, gold, pricey, product, three phones, still can't call up, these hoes, got them bothered, cause I'm built like this, damn, haven't said when I float with these hits, oh, I get an itch when the money bout to hit, hypoallergenic, I'm immune to a bitch, oh, you think you sick, I'm thicker, you can say the plot got thicker, right, homie got more staff than Skinner, when I say jump, all my bitches up front, it's so catchy and i feel like it's just something nice to just be out like double dutch but yeah it's some just you know some a nice little vibe to dance to you know when you're out just sipping on some mimosas with your girls just like double dutch but yes, y'all check it out. Charmaine also has a project called Hood Avant-Garde that's out now. So make sure you check out the song Double Dutch and also check out her project and support local artists, especially for the listeners here in Toronto and Canada. Make sure you support her. She's just an amazing artist, honestly. Like, I'm surprised I haven't heard about her earlier because I stay on top of music. But yeah, make sure y'all check it out. With that, let's go ahead and get into our main segment for this episode. So for our main segment this week, I'm excited for this episode, y'all. Like I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time now, and I'm glad that we finally get to do this and that you all are, you know, privy to this conversation. So this week we are discussing self-care, you know, very methods and practices, how to sort of make it practical in our lives with everything going on in the world right now. You know, this is definitely a needed conversation with everything that 2020 has brought us, you know, and even continuing to complete 2021. So to join me in having this conversation, I have Janelle, who is a registered psychotherapist qualifying and is also the supporting mental health clinician for the Toronto Raptors. Girl, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have this conversation with you, girl. Thank you for the invite. I am so happy to be here and excited to really have such an important conversation. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming on this episode. I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, before we get right into things, I also just want to just take a moment to just thank you and, you know, all the other mental health practitioners and workers, because 
I could just imagine that your workload has just greatly increased over the last year. And, you know, there's always been a need for for the, the work that you do. But now I could just imagine that you've taken on a lot more. So I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for that. It's greatly appreciated. Just wanted to let you know that before we get further into this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And to all the health professionals that are out there navigating this during this time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. All healthcare workers and professionals, because I'm so sure it definitely has not been easy for them at all, at all. So yes, thank you for pointing that out. All right. So let's get into it. You know, um, let's start with self-care. So I feel like self-care has sort of become this buzzword, you know, used online. Um, I feel like we're getting a very sort of visual definition for what self-care is. You know, when you go on Instagram, you see the images of the bubble baths and, you know, R&B music and playlists and wine on a Friday night. But for you, what does self-care mean and what are some practical ways of carrying that out, if you will? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think the first thing to start with is For me, self-care is about really listening to what your body needs caring for, right? Like, what is it that you need? And I think sometimes it's not wine. Sometimes it's not the bubble bath, right? And so using those cookie cutter things don't always work. And then you feel like, oh, I'm not, I don't have self-care. I don't know what this looks like. It's not working. But I think the first thing I always encourage people do is to like, listen to what you need to do in that time. What's bothering you? What's, what, where do you feel it building up? Where do you feel that tension? Is it like that pile of work that is sitting on a table that you've been putting off for like three weeks and it's like that bothers me every time I look at it? That might actually be your self-care is figuring out how do I gradually get this done with the energy that I currently have? Do I need to do something to build up my energy so that I can get this done? So I think really self-care is more of an act of figuring out what you need for yourself in order to keep going. Um, And I always say that it's self-care that allows us to maintain that baseline, right? It it allows us to stay at that place that lets us continue doing what we need to do. Um, And then, of course, as self-care adds on, you get to that thriving piece, right? Where you're like, okay, I could go more than just my average. I can get some real things done. So that's how I like to group it because it doesn't really then say it's bubble bath, it's wine, it's this. It's what you need in that moment. Listen to your body and then you figure out. Um, how to go about it from there. Mm, no, I I like that. I like that definition a lot. I like it. So it's sort of, you know, it's not always the bubble baths. You know, you listen to your body, listen to your mind, and you determine what you need at that time when you sort of move from this surviving to thriving sort of, you know, mode. Now, I really like that. So then it makes me think, can you have self-care without therapy or can you have therapy without self-care? Like I, for me, I feel like they're very they're sort of a pair, I guess, if you will. And I think that a lot of times with self-care, we keep sort of pushing on this physical aspect for our bodies, but we're not necessarily focusing on the mind, like that added layer that, you know, you might need counseling, you might need, you know, a therapy session. So, you know, this is just my thoughts. I'm just sort of thinking out loud, but yeah, it's just something I'm wondering, like, can you have one without the other? No, you you make a really good point. And maybe for me, it's more so elaborating on when I say listen to what you're feeling, you're right. It is more than just your body, right? It is listening to what's happening in your mind spiritually. What are you feeling, right? Like those are the things that you want to listen to and maybe connect with. And self-care can be anything that helps you connect with those things. So sometimes what I do is I tell people like, think about your five senses and then I add movement. 
Um, and which one do you need in that moment? Do you need touch? Do you need sight? Do you need smell? Like, what do you think might be helpful for what you are going through right now? Um, and then I, you make a really good point with the, the fact that therapy itself is a form of self-care. So not everybody uses that form of self-care, but maybe what people do is something else that allows them to get maybe that feeling that somebody else would get in therapy. So therapy is supposed to be a way for you to break down things, process things, understand your feelings. Somebody else may say, I'm not here yet, so my form of self-care might look like journaling. My form of self-care might look like listening to music because this song really gets me in tune with my feelings and my emotions. Or sitting in the grass outside, just chilling, staring at the clouds. Like whatever it is that allows you to tap into what you are feeling and allows you to pull that apart and process it, that is what you want to kind of zone in and what you want to kind of figure out what your self-care looks like through things like that nature. Okay, <laughs> I like that. I love that. The line on the grass, I feel like, <laughs> girl, I need to do that. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I haven't done that in so long. And then the other day, I was just outside. I was working out and I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay down. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I haven't done this in so long. Like, and it just feels good to just be there and just have that clarity. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think at first it wasn't so clear because you have all of your thoughts coming at you. But then it's like, okay, you guys need to disappear. I just want to look at the clouds and pull the shape out like I'm five years old, right? So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so, so necessary sometimes for sure. You know, okay. So I want to get into, and it's interesting that you just mentioned, you know, the importance of, you know, being still, taking time out to just quiet our minds and just sit in and reflect in, right? And, you know, I want to sort of get into the impact and effects of all that has happened over the last year plus. You know, like, I feel like it didn't really like it hit me, but it really, really hit me. I think a few weeks ago, I just sat down and I was like, damn, we're really in a pandemic or a panoramic, as we all <laughs> like to refer to it as. And on top of that, we've, we've had all these significant, important, you know, social, cultural things that have also happened that have, you know, led us to have conversations on whether it's race, different ethnicities, social justice, pandemic, our infrastructure, our social infrastructure, isolation. You know, some of us are isolating in not the best of conditions and some of us are working from home, but then that's causing boundaries between work and life to sort of be blurred. So, you know, there's just so many ways that this has impacted and affected us. And I'm just sort of wondering, you know, what are some of your thoughts or what, you know, what ideas do you have or what are your thoughts on the impacts of the event of the last, you know, sort of 15 months or so on our minds and our bodies? Oh, honestly, as soon as you were talking, the thing that came to my mind was Beyonce. I was like, world, stop. Yes, girl. Like, there's no carry on piece. Like, the carry on <laughs> part has not happened. It's like, I can't get there, right? Uh, <laughs> don't ask. My mind goes in very interesting places. Um, but that's what came to mind for me. And I'm saying this out loud because the world did stop, right? Like, literally, there's a pause and we are so used to, to going, and I think for a very long time, it was so hard for us to catch our bearings. And for some people, it still is, right? Like, think of how long we've been going. Like, we've been trekking at this, beating up with the pace of the world for more than 15 months. We've been doing it for years. So to adapt to this change as telling us to slow down, it is really hard for some of us to adjust because we live in this, like, 
hustle culture, which I don't think is completely healthy. Um, but it literally has us wondering, like, is there something wrong with me for slowing down? Right. Do I have to keep going? Um, and I think with adding on, like you said, all those other components that are happening, it's like now because we slow down, you feel the impact of those things so much more. So all those, you know, like injustice things that are happening and like, you know, the racial trauma that's just coming up and just everything that's been transpiring re recently in the world, you recognize it a lot more, right? You are slowed down. You actually can feel a lot of those things more. And the distractions that we used to have are no longer there. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, that's so, so, so true. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, we're talking about all these impacts and just to really feel it and just to really understand it. I sort of sort of just going through some stats and I won't get into them in detail. But, you know, when you look at things like, you know, even the types of coping mechanisms that people are sort of, you know, referring or relying on, um, you know, the percentage of youth or young people that reported having less than good mental health that has declined since before the pandemic. Looking at percentage of employment that's, the, you know, of, of employment that's decreased and unemployment rates that have gone up because of the pandemic, like all of these things. And again, you know, I feel like if there's one good thing that's come from this whole situation, it's that we're able to have better and more constructive conversations around mental health. You know, I feel like it was already gradually increasing, but this just sort of expedited that <laughs> that whole, I guess, process, if you will. And if you even yep. like, you know, take a look yep. at it, you know, before <laughs> you couldn't really, you, you were walking on eggshells to, you know, tell your manager that you wanted to take a day off, you know, not necessarily because you were sick, but you just didn't feel that you would perform your best. You just went to take a mental health day. And now we're having these conversations mm -hmm. a lot more. I feel like resources are a lot more accessible and just the way we even talk about mental health is changing. So Whew, it's it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. But I'm I'm grateful that, you know, if there's one good thing that's come from this is that we're having more and more of these conversations. It is. And honestly, hearing you say that, it just reminds me of like when we keep talking about that, that whole like pushing yourself to get things done. Like remember like a work week, like Monday to Friday, like you push yourself. Right. And you do what you got to do. But you're excited because come three o'clock on a Friday you know it's wind down time. Shoot, let me let me go back. Nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday, you know it's wind down time, right? <laughs> you know that, okay, it's Friday. I'm gonna get this chance to like recharge come Saturday and Sunday. I get to see people. I get to go on trips. I get I get to relax. And I think the, the biggest thing right now is that for a lot of us, that reward, that recharge that we're so used to having on the weekend that can't come anymore because we don't even know the difference between Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. And so we keep pushing ourselves during the week the exact same, but we don't have that full recharge at the end anymore. But then we keep pushing ourselves again. So it's like you're taking a car and you're pushing this car and empty. And it's so important, like pulling in what you said before in the beginning, the self-care, that's how you kind of put gas back in your tank, right? So we're so used to putting it in at the end of the week and it can fill it up and it keeps it going. I think what we have to start looking at is how do I fill it up during the week? It's not the same anymore. So we have to shift how we are dealing with this situation. How do I fill it up during the week so that I can get to the end of the day? <laughs> Just so I can get to the end of the day, girl. Yes, because that's where I'm at. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really like that. And, you know, you raise a good point because, yes, Mondays you were looking forward to the Friday or Saturday night, you know, 
Uh, but now the days are just blurred. You know, I, Monday to Friday, I, I lose track of what day it is. All I know is that I'm waking up and I'm going to be productive somehow and I'm going to work, you know, on something. So I definitely get that because, you know, Friday nights were your days to just unwind with your girl, you know, have yes. a glass of wine, just listen to some music, you know, just relax. Whether you guys were sharing stories of the week and, you know, we've we've lost that for a long time. I mean, now things are gradually opening up again. So that's different. But mm-hmm. I definitely I definitely hear you. I definitely hear you on that for sure. And I think the other piece to that is that stuff like it came it came organically like you didn't have to always figure out ooh how am i going to take care of myself right now because i don't feel good it's like well before you used to be like hey what you doing after work let's go here like you didn't even have to worry about planning something because it just organically happened and your tank got filled up now what's happening is the last 15 months we've had to find our own gas stations we've had to fill up our own tanks for like we're so used to self serve <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. No, I love that. I love that. Girl, you have been killing the analogies. Okay. Okay. Let's see you. Oh, I'm a big <laughs> analogy person. I'm a big metaphor analogy person. That is definitely me. <laughs> no, I love that. That gas station analogy. Girl, mm, I'm going to definitely keep that one in mind. I'm definitely going to keep that one in mind. But um, but see, so this is the this is where we're getting to then. You know, things are gradually opening back up, you know, um COVID cases and rates are down, vaccination rates are up. Um, you know, things are gradually opening, you know, so how do we sort of use self-care to maintain or manage our expectations as we sort of move forward into this new quote unquote normal? Because, you know, in workplaces, I'm sure some offices already are, you know, efficiency, efficiency, let's get you back in the office. You know, like myself, I'm very like cautious, like I'm very, you know, good at managing my expectations. You know, I'm, I'm very much a realist. So I'm like, oh yeah, like, I'm not too, too excited about what this new normal is, or I'm not too, too excited that things are opening up. But I know some people are, you know, anxious and just looking forward to this normal, normal. I want things to go back to normal. And I'm sure works, workplaces are efficiency, efficiency. Let's get you back in the office. But it's like, how do we, you know, sort of use self-care as a tool to sort of help us manage our expectations and to also allow ourselves to go at our own pace as we sort of move into this quote unquote, new normal. I think it's also back to what we were talking about before and recognizing which part is not normal anymore, right? So yeah, you might be used to being in an office, but like you said, maybe there's that person who is coming up with that feeling that, well, I'm not used to that anymore, right? I'm used to working in my safe space at home. So I have to recognize that this is no longer normal for me. How do I make that adjustment? What would allow me to still feel safe If I have to go back into that office, do I need a gradual transition to it so that I could understand that, okay, that is a safe space too? Do I need my organization to put things in place for me to be able to to cope with that adjustment? So I think the other piece is when we hear people talking about, oh, new normal, I think that makes a lot of sense because there's going to be added pieces that you're going to take from the old way things used to be. And there's going to be the new pieces that we take. Right. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure we're still going to have to put on a mask to walk into certain spaces. Right. It's not going back to normal because now we still have this mask to wear. Right. So it's adjusting to the new things that are going to be in front of us, but taking along the things that used to to really give us that joy and that feeling of self-care and that feeling of comfort um, that that we miss. Right. So it's how do you combine the things I think thinking for you? Which parts do I need to bring back because it helped keep me at my baseline or allowed me to thrive? And which parts do I need to adjust because they have changed? They're not what they used to be. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely like that. I think for sure it's being open-minded and understanding that, you know, this new normal won't look like our pre-COVID normal, you know, being open-minded uh, because if there's anything that we know will be constant, it's change, you know? So just, yeah, being open-minded and understanding that we got to be flexible because things are definitely not going to look the same. So, you know, this conversation is, you know, self-care and therapy. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into the therapy portion. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, we're in a panoramic, but various groups, you know, Black, mm-hmm. Indigenous, and various other groups of color have had to sort of undergo different layers of a pandemic within a pandemic. <laughs> and we've had to have certain conversations that have been ongoing, but I think this time has sort of created a pause or a slow period for us to really, really like dissect these these issues. Mm-hmm. So what role does therapy play, you know, with people of color, especially black people, as we sort of go through this period with everything else we have to deal with? Because girl, some of us need to be going to therapy and we're not going. <laughs> Let me just say it like that. She's like, I'm just yeah. gonna be real. Yeah. That's, that's what's gonna right now. <laughs> you know, I think it's important, but I think we also often have these excuses of, oh, I don't know where to go. I don't know who's for me. And, you know, a lot of more questions. So what would you say to someone, you know, someone who is, you know, interested, doesn't have a therapist, is interested in trying it out? You know, maybe they'll tell you, you know, I don't want to sit in front of a couch and talk to someone. I don't know. That's a concern that we hear. Let's put it that way. So what would you say to them, girl? What would you say? Mm-hmm. All right. I got you. Person listening. I got you. Here's what I would tell you. <laughs> so back to the fact that you, you, you've heard me say I love analogies and I love metaphors. And I think one of the things I always say therapy is like when you walk into a room and it is just a mess, right? Um, or you walk into a room and you realize that there's boxes in a corner that you just kind of have that you have never dealt with or you just kind of push them there. And you know that they're there. You know that you need to clean them up or organize them and figure out what you have to donate, what you have to keep. Like, these are the things that we hold on to in life. And I feel like therapy allows somebody to come into that space with you and say, all right, let me sit with you and help you unpack this. Let me sit with you and help you figure out where this needs to go. Let me sit with you and clean up this space in a way that allows you to keep going. Because we know when our spaces are at a pace that's functional for us and everybody's clean looks different, right? And I think that's the thing that people should know about therapy. It's not that person coming to your space and saying, let me clean this up to my liking. It's no, how do you need this to keep going? You might be somebody who has organized messed, right? Like, so how do you need help putting this together so you can keep going? And I'd say, if you are somebody who is constantly looking around your space and you are feeling like, I know there's stuff here. I just don't know where they go. I just don't know what to do with it next. It might be, It might be helpful for you to reach out to somebody to be like, hey, do you mind standing in this space with me and helping me figure Mm. it out? Analogy queen. Yes. Having someone stand in your space. I like that. Girl. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. It's not it's not somebody taking over like it is your it is your space. It is it is your thoughts. It is your feeling. It's literally just having somebody make sense of it. Kind of like this tangled up ball of yarn. And it's like, hey, you take one side. I take one side. Let's pull it out. Let's see what we can use this for after. Let's take out all those knots. Um, And that's what therapy is. And I think therapy is bringing up those feelings, processing them. But therapy can be done in different ways for different people.
Right. Okay. And this is a question from a listener. They wanted to know, you know, what do you think it'll take for young Black people to trust the therapy system more and therefore use it more as a result? What do you think? I think it's removing kind of the stigma of therapy is really important. And to break that down, I mean, realizing that there are multiple tools that you can use to process things and you can heal. I think especially in a lot of cultures, in the Black culture specifically, you know, we gravitate to maybe like one thing, whether maybe it's religion or that spirituality piece. It's like, no, you talk to God about this. You talk to, you're just your family. Like you got to keep it locked in. You can't tell nobody nobody's business. Keep it at home. And I think that allows us to kind of be locked into like, well, I'm not allowed to take on any of those other approaches. I can't go to therapy. I can't try this because I grew up learning that there's only one way to go about, you know, dealing with it. And it's within yourself if your family can't take it on. It's in with yourself if you feel like I'm not getting there spiritually. Um, So I think one way to open that up within our community is remind people that there are other ways of working on things and they can be done in combination. If you take in therapy, doesn't mean you can't go to church and pray about it, right? If you take in therapy, doesn't mean you can't listen to a little bit of trap music every now and again if that releases things. Exactly. Right? I think it's saying exactly. that you have a combination of things. Figure out what your toolkit looks like. What does your toolbox look like? And shoot, we all know we imagine somebody comes to your house to fix something with one dega dega tool. You're gonna be like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? You're gonna fix this with one thing. And exactly. I think it's reminding ourselves that. Therapy is a part of that toolkit, right? And so don't think of it as replacing everything. Just think of it as adding to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, too, it's this idea of, you know, shame and guilt. Like, I'm West African, so I always say, you know, like, God free my people of, you know, what would they say? What would they say? And just this, you know, idea of shame and guilt, because, you know, who cares what they'll say? You know, if I need help and this is something that mm-hmm. I can add to my toolkit, I can add to my toolbox to help me, then yes, I'm going to go out and seek out the help that I need and that I deserve, right? So I think for me, it's culturally getting over this, what would they say, what would they say sort of mentality. And I think for me too, it's also this idea of resiliency. Like, you know, as Black people, we're so resilient and it's something that sometimes we can wear as a badge and honor to our detriment, especially black women, Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being resilient. It's amazing. It just means that we are able to just thrive in spaces that, you know, we may not be expected to thrive in. Right. But I think sometimes when we, you know, I'm, we're so resilient, we're so resilient, we use that to sort of conceal or to then think that we can solve all our problems and not go reach out okay. for that external help. Okay. If you get what I mean, <laughs> this is, you know, I'm just putting some thoughts out there. I love that. I love that. And the reason why that like tugs at my heart. So you're, you were asking me earlier, like, like you use a lot of metaphors and analogies. Um, and I literally created, um, with an amazing co-partner, co-worker, creator, um, something called the visual therapist. And so what we do with that is like using these metaphors and analogies to kind of tap into those feelings and thoughts that you kind of don't understand and don't know how to make sense of and be like, oh, like we're talking about the car, like, okay, now I remember I need to fill my tank. Like that helps people resonate with things. And when you said strong black woman, it reminded me of one of the pieces um, that we put together. And it came because I completely agree with you. Like growing up, you sit in that, oh, you have to be strong. You have to be resilient. 
and it's like wearing that armor, right? And it's like, I have to wear this heavy thing everywhere I go. And it's the only way I know how to protect myself, right? It's the only thing I know how to keep me going. And I think if you are listening to this, listen closer, turn up the volume right now really quickly because <laughs> a strong person is still strong even when they take that yes. off, right? Resting does not make you weak. Resting is what you need if we're tying everything back in to keep at your baseline. Resting is what you need in order to thrive, right? You don't earn rest, you need rest. And resting is what is going to allow you to keep going if you have to put that armor back on. Because I'm not saying to take it off, I'm not saying to leave it aside. We love the fact that as black people, we are resilient, right? It is an amazing quality, but we also have to realize that resiliency still exists when you take off the armor. Mm. Girl, you are preaching on a Saturday morning. (laughs) We should have did this on a Sunday. You know, you know. Okay, so another thing that we will often hear, you know, from especially the Black community, especially within our community, um, is that, you know, resources are not always accessible. Sometimes a lot of the affordable ones are not accessible. And you know, I want someone who looks like and represents me and my experiences, right? So, you know, what from your experience, from your work, the work that you do, what are your sort of your thoughts and experiences with regards to specifically, I guess, in a GTA, Ontario? Because I feel like there are a lot more directories now. I've definitely come across a lot more directories on online that, you know, that speak to, you know, whether it's, you know, queer or, you know, black or indigenous. And these directories are becoming more and more popular. So, you know, I'm going to do this to you, girl, one more time. But, you know, what would you say to that person who's like, Janelle, I don't want to sit in front of this person doesn't look like me or, you know, I can't necessarily, you know, um, I can't afford this session. Girl, what would you what would you tell them? (laughs) Honestly, you you drive home a really important piece. And I think It's easier to get into those feelings and unpack those boxes and talk about what's in your space when you feel like you don't have to describe what your space looks like. You know what I mean? When you don't have to describe like, oh, wait a minute, there's this in that corner if you're talking to somebody else who might not understand it. And you're like, oh, I have to break all that down before I can get to this. Like it makes you a bit hesitant to entering that space. So I think it is important to find somebody who you can resonate with, who has some type of similarity, who is like, okay, it, like you said before, it takes off that shame of entering, having somebody enter that space with you. It's like, okay, well, they know what this is going to look like. I think one of the things that I love about having the space that I have with the clients that I have and the individuals that I work with is like, I get some of the things that you're saying. You don't have to break down what that means, right? I get that you are, I love when I see people comfortable enough to come into a session with their head wraps on and their whatever. They're like, you know, I'm just chilling. And I was like, I don't need you to dress. I want you to be comfortable. This is how we allow those feelings to come up. So I do think it's important to find somebody who you feel like you don't have to keep hiding and putting those masks on because the only way this space works and the way it's supposed to is when you could truly take those masks off. So you make a really good point with the importance of utilizing those directories and utilizing those searches to find somebody that has something that you need that has a quality that resonates with you. And the other piece with that is keep going if you don't find that person right away, right? Like think of it as like house hunting or car hunting. Like, you know, you got to keep trying and you got to keep feeling it out and looking around to see if this is going to be the right space for me until you find the one that actually works. Okay. So are there any resources or directories that come to mind? 
Ooh, yes, yes. From the top of my mind, um, blacktherapistlist.com is amazing, has some amazing individuals within the community. If you are in, um, I believe, Canada altogether, I believe they have um, people in other provinces too. So I would check that out. Um, Althea Therapy, there's Healing in Color. Um, I think we can maybe share some of them later. I don't mind sharing it with you to share with your listeners as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. I think there are so many great things coming up. And when we talked about what's transpiring in the world, I think it has highlighted a lot of those spaces um, to say, hey, these individuals need somebody who looks like them to uncover these things, because why give them another added layer to have to get to what really matters in that session or in that process? So, yep. Exactly. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the typical session length for a therapy session is about an hour. Mm-hmm. Does it go for as long mm-hmm. as you want it to go for, or is it about an hour or so? It depends on who you're working with. I say they usually go between 50 to 60 minutes as a, as a regular session, um, but I have seen people have longer ones than that. See, if it's 50, 60 minutes, then <laughs> the layers, we need to get right to shed in. The first 10 minutes is going to be like, hey, how are you? Then after mm-hmm. that, boom, <laughs> this is what my inner child thinks. Heal my inner child. <laughs> so, no, I definitely get that. Right? Right? I, I get it. I get it. You want to be able to get, and I think that's the thing. People approach it differently. Some people want to get to those layers right away. They're like, I did a lot of work before I got here. I recognize what was in my room and I kind of just want to hear and talk about it. I don't want somebody who's going to come in my room and be like, what's that? What does that mean? And then, you know, um, to the cost piece, I know some workplaces cover therapy, some do not. Uh, But one good thing that has come out of this whole, this past year with the pandemic and so on is that there's been an increase in free counseling services or free therapy services, free consultations. You know, there are um, a lot of virtual online um, sort of options that I'm seeing now, and they may not be, you know, as detailed um, or as, um, I guess we'll say elaborate, if you will. Like, I think the time frames may be shorter with the free ones, but at mm-hmm. least there's that as sort of a first step if you're looking to see if it's for you. You know, I know, I know, you know, these barriers and hindrances will take time to sort of be fully addressed, but I think we're definitely making progress. Like if this was years ago, I would have said, you know, what? Mm, yeah, you're right. But I think mm-hmm. in the time that we're in right now, if you do some digging and you sort of look for these resources, you can find something that sort of meets your need, whether it be, you know, race, ethnicity or sexuality or having someone that has gone through your particular lived experience. I think you can yes. find something that sort of suits your needs. I agree. I agree. And I think that's one of the things I praise this time for is that it really highlighted the need to have those things. It really highlighted the need to break down those barriers and create more accessible ways for people to express their feelings and, you know, work on their mental health. And I know this time was hard. I would not want to repeat this time for anyone, but I think it's to repeat the things that we gained out of it and keep those things going. Yes, yes. I pray we keep those things because, you know, we're having such great conversations. We're able to just, you know, advocate for ourselves a lot better, you know, a lot more. Like I said, if there's any good thing that came out of this entire year of this negative situation, it's this. And yeah, I just pray that these things stick because we definitely need them. We definitely need these resources. There's so many organizations that are saying like and companies now that are like, oh, you know what? Because of what's going on, let's add more, you know, 
um, therapy services to our benefits. Like, you know what? Putting in real mental health days and being like, hey, you know what? Summer's here. You've been cooped up inside. Let's like have, you know, summer Fridays are a thing in some organizations that were never there before in others. So it's those people recognizing just what people need um, to keep going that we were talking about earlier. I think if we keep talking about it, then it's going to become something that is just like, all right, this is with your three weeks vacation comes, you know, 15 mental health days or something of that nature. Like, I hope we get to that point. <laughs> Girl, amen. We will. <laughs> we need to. We need to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I sort of just want to end the session by, you know, I just want to give you the floor to you know, share some tips and some strategies for, you know, coping and, you know, just some tips to get us through the rest of the year. I do want to add a disclaimer that this is just a conversation with Janelle. So please, this is not to be used to, you know, replicate or duplicate an actual therapy session or counseling session. <laughs> right? Just Don't be like, they tips. told me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing you can explore, let's put it that way. One thing you could explore, I think, on your own is starting with how you feel things and where you feel them. Um, you know, we hear people talk about journaling being how they unpack and they feel things. And I'm going to be really honest with you. You know, I was somebody who used to love journaling, but it got hard. I was like, it's not working for me anymore. And I think it's recognizing what works and what doesn't work. And what I realized for me was like keeping a playlist was my way of journaling instead, right? So it was keeping that playlist to talk that kind of says, okay, on this day, I want to listen to this song and I kind of save it that way. So now this becomes how I journaled. On this day, this is how I felt. And it was a way for me to unpack my feelings. Ooh, girl, I like that. I like that. That's, oh, that's for me because I think for me, like journaling is cool and I've definitely tried it out. I've been journaling my feelings to certain things. But for me, it's like, especially after a long day at work or if I'm doing certain things, I don't want to, come and then start to, you know, write again. Or if I've typed all day, I don't want to start, you know, writing or typing or thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think the music, the playlist idea is definitely for me and I'm definitely going to try it out. So thank you. Yeah. And I've had people who go about taking pictures and they're saying, I took pictures of my day. Like that was my journal. It was like, just like, what did I do today that I really liked? It was like, oh, I went to Starbucks and I got this drink. Boom, I take a picture. It doesn't go on social media, but they're like, I kept it. Right. And now my journal is like a photo album versus when I see it. And I think that's such an amazing thing. And the person that shared this with me, I was like, I love it because taking that picture now reminds them of that feeling of that day. Like, you know, you could see something, you see a picture of like your family or a loved one and you're like, ooh, I remember that day. We went here, 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 here. You don't always need the words. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Huh. I like that. Those are some really great tips. Yeah. So I think with it is just really sharing these tips is because I want you to figure out what do I need to do in order to process or feel what's happening, right? And it looks different for everyone. And if we kind of wrap into that whole self-care thing we were talking about, that is a form of self-care, right? If you are somebody who's just like, I just need to listen to music. I just want to take pictures of things. I just want to sit and do nothing. That counts as a form of self-care. So I think it's finding what works for you to unpack those feelings or feel them in the first place if you need to get there first. Um, and don't don't feel like you need to do what everyone else is doing. If it works for you, it works. Mm. Okay, 
So we got one more question, and this is from a listener. And their question is, what are some tips for dealing with bad news? So, you know, we've gotten so much bad news for the past year plus, and um, this might be something that you're able to relate to as you have a community online that you serve and you, you know, share resources and content with. And, you know, sometimes it gets hard because you're hearing certain news and you don't want to react and you want to just take a step back. So, yeah, what are some tips um, and strategies that you have with regards to that? I know it sounds simple, but turn it off. Right. And I mean that when it comes to the way that we have so much access to bad news, um, you know, you you think about the, the news that you watch in the morning or sometimes when you turn on social media, you know, something big has transpired and you know that if I turn this on, it's going to just flood my emotions with this bad news. And I think it's creating that 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 barrier for yourself. Right. And creating that wall to be like, I don't need to take all of this in right now if I'm already feeling it. I know in some situations it's not so easy for everybody because maybe part of your job is to know about that bad news, right? Is to take that in. And I think even with that, it's figure out what do I need to do for myself first so I can take that in? How much of it do I need to take in? And am I taking in more than I can actually control, right? I think sometimes when we take in bad news, it's like, okay, how do I fix it? But we have to kind of zone in to be like, well, what can I control within this? And a lot of the times it's just your own feelings and your own emotions. So if something hurts and you feel it like, oh, that news really hurt me, that's okay, right? You sit with that emotion, then do what you have to do to control that emotion after. We're human beings. Bad news hurts for a reason, right? It's called bad news for a reason. So I think it's one, creating that barrier for yourself and knowing when to turn things off. If you are accessing it and you are feeling it, what can I control with this feeling, right? What part of this is me? And then I think the last piece is, knowing that if it does impact you and you are sitting in that moment, it's okay to not be at that baseline, right? It's okay to know that something has caused me not to sit at this level right now and I'm allowed to be over here. But then I'm gonna figure out what do I need to control to get back to that space? What does my self-care look like to get back to that baseline? I love that. I love that. Girl, you have shared tips, strategies, you've been transparent, analogies, and you know, I know that the listeners will definitely take something away. I know I, I definitely so. have. So I just appreciate you. Thank you for coming to this episode. I know our conversation has been, you know, focused on you know, therapy and self-care, but we're going to switch the energy up a little bit. You know, we're going to switch segments a little bit. This is okay. the But What Do I Know podcast. So we want to get to know our guests a little bit better. So Janelle, I'm going to ask you four questions and without thinking, just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. Hot seat time. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite genre of music? Soca dancehall. See, whenever I have a Caribbean person on the, on the show, it's usually a tie between soca or dancehall and R&B. Whenever I have an African person or specifically a West African person, it's usually a tie between Afrobeats and R&B. <laughs> you know what's funny though? In my head, I was like, r and creeping up. Nope. Soca dancehall. <laughs> See, see, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay, number two. Would you describe yourself as the homebody or the life of the party? Ooh, it depends. It depends on the day. Honestly, that's my answer. It depends on the day. Ooh, me too, me too, me too. All right, what is your go-to dance move once the DJ plays a song? The DJ plays a song, you're out partying. What dance move are we hitting them with first? Oh, a, a serious stush wine. Like, that is, that, <laughs> that is my dance move. 
It's like a little dainty wine. You know, you can't give them everything at one hey, time. Just... <laughs> you know, you know, you got to just give them just, just, a, just a sneak peek. Just a sneak peek. <laughs> okay, final question. What would you do with a million dollars? Ooh, I would find a way to make mental health and you know, therapy services more accessible in the communities that find the biggest barriers. I think that was, that's the first thing that I would do um, just because I can't spread myself to everyone. So if there's a way to get more that could spread to others, I think that would warm me up so much and then allow me to do like the fun things that you want to do with your money after. Cause it's like, I, everybody's good over here. Great, I'm, I'm off. <laughs> See you later, I'm on a vacation now. <laughs> Deuces, I'm out. <laughs> No, but I love that. That's so selfless. You know, I, I would have been like, you know, buy some crypto, buy some stocks, buy a house. But I love that. I love that you said, you know, let's focus on providing resources for the people first. And in that way, I can enjoy myself with the rest. I love that. Right. So you don't feel so bad when it's like I'm sitting here. It's like, oh, but but I'd be like, no, they're good. They're good. I made sure that they're OK. But come back and check on you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love those answers. Those are mad creative. Thank you. Thank you for answering those questions. So before I let you go, can you please just share with the listeners where they can find you and how they can connect with you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. If you want to hear more or if you just want to connect, I love speaking to everyone. And, you know, you can find me on social media through Instagram at jpeterspsychotherapy, um, as well as the same thing um, on, oh my goodness, what is the other one? See, this is why I don't like doing this part. Find me on Instagram at jpeterpsychotherapy. My website is as well, jpeterpsychotherapy.com. Um, and I hope to connect with any of you shortly or soon. And I will definitely put all your information in this episode description so the listeners can check it out and connect with you. So thank you, Janelle, once again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is a great conversation. I, I definitely enjoyed this and I hope we can do it again. All right, so we are at the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janelle. Um, honestly, Janelle, girl, thank you for coming on and being transparent, being honest, sharing those resources that you did. I truly, truly appreciate it. And to the listeners, feel free to connect with myself or Janelle if you, you know, want to talk further about any of the resources that were mentioned in this episode. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. And also be on the lookout on the Instagram page at BWDIK Podcast. Definitely going to be summarizing some of the resources we talked about and making some engaging posts to, you know, speak to you guys about the content of this episode. So make sure you on the lookout for that as well. All right. Well, until next time, enjoy your summer. Be the hot girl or hot boy that you are. Stay hydrated. Mind your business. <laughs> and I will talk to you all real soon. Bye for now.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.